to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Amen. The text for our sermon comes from Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speaking his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled and said to one another, Look, not, not all these who speak, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mockingly said, they are full of new wine. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, who sent out his spirit into the world to bring in his children from the ends of the earth, dear friends in Christ. There are certain things that you, that you say that can mean different things depending on the context in which they're said. For example, the phrase, you're on fire. If you're trying to start a campfire with gasoline and someone tells you, you're on fire, that's a cause for immediate concern. But if you're playing a game of darts and you've just thrown three bullseyes in a row, someone may happily inform you, you're on fire. That is a cause. Um, there are no shortage of idioms in the English language having to do with fire, both good and bad. A sports team that is playing poorly may be said to be going down in flames, but if a team is on fire for long enough, then they are considered on a hot streak. We are, all of us, on a, on a team. The body of Christ, the Holy Christian Church. And although it may not look like it on the outside, we are on a hot streak. We have been for thousands of years. And we will continue this success by God's grace until the end of time. And so this Pentecost Sunday, we take a look at the outpouring of the Spirit upon his church with this comforting statement. The hot streak continues. The Spirit lights the flame, the church feels the heat, and the word spreads like wildfire. May the Comforter set our hearts ablaze this morning through the exciting truths of Scripture. The thing about fire is that, like most things, it has to start somewhere. I imagine that most of us have kindled a fire before, 
so that you know you don't just snap your fingers and poof, a blaze starts. It starts with a small flame or perhaps even an ember and then it grows and grows. God's church on earth is also like this. God didn't snap his fingers and suddenly hundreds of thousands of people suddenly believe. It started with 120 believers at Christ's ascension into heaven. We can't say for certain whether only the 12 apostles were the recipients of Pentecost miracle in our text, or whether it was the full 120 who had gathered to call Matthias as the apostle to take Judas Iscariot's place. Either way, among the bustling horde in Jerusalem at the biggest festival of the year, this would have been a small number of people compared to the crowds. And yet we read, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. These men were on fire in a quite literal sense, but God didn't choose these people to suddenly gain the ability to speak God's word in foreign languages randomly. He chose his people, his servants, because they, like us, were not innately born with the ability to believe God's word and trust his grace. They were sinners who, brought to, brought to, who were brought to faith by the work of the Spirit, through his word, settling, setting their hearts aflame to see the truth, that sin and grace, transgression and forgiveness through Jesus of Nazareth. The fire of the word shines in the light on us, on sin and on the world. As the writer of Psalm 119 confessed, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I'd like to take a sidebar for a second and address some of the common misconceptions about what we should be think of, thinking about when we talk about the Spirit setting our hearts on fire. The Spirit does do that, but there are many churches today that teach the Spirit moving us evokes a strong emotional response. And in part, that's true. The gospel message will naturally produce joy. But if we attach our faith to an emotion or validate our faith by emotion, we fall into Satan's trap. He draws our focus away from the cross and gets us to focus on how we feel day to day. If we feel good and happy, our faith is strong. If I feel weak and helpless, my faith must be weak. But remember, God promises in Isaiah 42, a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. The object of your faith, the thing that you trust in, is not emotion, which changes constantly. It is the cross of Christ in his unchanging and never-ending promise of forgiveness, grace, and help. As Paul rightly said, God's power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
If you need a, an example of that, look in our text. A relatively small number of believers given the seemingly impossible command to go and make disciples of all nations were given immense power to preach the gospel to everyone in Jerusalem. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, both Jews and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya and adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And you know what the reaction was? One, confusion, and two, denial. Verses 12 and 13. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, <clears throat> what could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Have you ever found yourself thinking, if only we could have miracles like the apostles and the prophets of old, then everyone would have to come and hear and believe. But you could walk on water, you could move a mountain with a word, but it wouldn't move the needle. As Jesus taught in the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't hear them, neither will they believe even one who would rise from the dead. The church would still feel the heat of persecution. Galileans were speaking languages that they had never learned from lands over a thousand miles away, and their reactions were, huh, that's strange, and they're just drunk. You feel the heat too, don't you? You know that there are people looking at you, worshiping Jesus, as though you were worshiping the tooth fairy. You know that in this day and age, we are only a hop, skip, and jump away from being thrown into prison, just like the apostles were for espousing hateful and bigoted ideals. You know that there are decisions and relationships in your life that would be just so much easier if you didn't have this albatross of religion hanging around your neck all the time. That's what the devil would have you believe anyway. Satan's lies would have us scurrying away from the Christian faith like rats off a sinking ship. But the heat serves a purpose. First Peter 6 and 6, 7 says, though now for a, a little while, if we need be, you will be grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I could say, stand here all day, citing examples from both scripture and more contemporary history of all the times the Lord has refined his servants through the fires of hardship for the strengthening of their faith and for his own glory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were quite literally thrown into a fiery furnace for their faith. And look what happened. The Lord delivered them. King Nebuchadnezzar praised Jehovah's name. And he does the same with us, his church on earth. He tests our faith to strengthen it, like steel being hardened in the furnace or a muscle being strengthened through rigorous exercise. Then he uses our trials 
as an opportunity for the love and power of God to shine forth. And how is the love and power of God communicated? Is it through mighty acts and miracles? Is it through sleek charisma and the power of persuasion? Is it by Christians being successful and happy that people say, oh, I'm going to believe so I can be happy and successful like them? Oh, no. The biggest and only tool for spreading this message of grace and forgiveness through Christ is the Word of God. And it spreads like wildfire. All of these people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world heard as we read in verse 8. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Just after our text is Peter's Pentecost sermon, complete with law. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified and put to death, and complete with gospel. Quote, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For the promise is to you and to your children. And we read afterwards that 3,000 souls were added to them. And they didn't sit on this message. It wasn't just a flash in the pan. They took that message with them back to all of the various places they came from. And the word of the Lord grew and spread like a prairie fire. This is still happening today. Domestically, the word, the word to proclaim every Sunday goes out to the hearts of visitors and goes out online for those who, online for whoever seeks to seeks the truth of God. The word which is preached to us is something that we carry with us wherever we go. The foreign mission work we do overseas in Africa, India, Myanmar, Thailand, and many other countries continues by the grace of God. So take to heart and take the word. Take this to heart and take the word. Let the fire that the Spirit has ignited within you shine forth to those who are around you. Let the message of sinners saved through the blood of Christ shine in every dark place, into every darkened heart, to banish sin and guilt in the presence of God's shining face. And may we encourage one another in this work, fellow saints and heirs of eternal life. Because we are a team, aren't we? Christ has united us in faith by pouring his spirit upon our fellowship, bringing together hearts and minds to work together as his church on earth to bring the gospel to every corner of it. And this team is on fire in a good sense. With the spirit leading us, we can be sure that the hot streak continues. The spirit has lit the flame in our hearts to hear and believe God's enlightened and redeeming word. The church may feel the heat, but God wisely uses this to serve our good and glorify his holy name. And the word must assuredly spreads like wildfire and will continue to do so until Christ returns. As we sang to begin our service, thou holy fire, comfort true, 
Grant us the will, thy work, to do, and in thy service to abide. Let trials turn us not aside. Lord, by thy power prepare each heart, and to our weakness strength impart, that bravely here we may contend. Through life and death to thee, our Lord, ascend. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' saving name, amen.